So it's, it's an absolute privilege to be speaking on Ash Wednesday for you, and we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at themes of sin, death, repentance, the cross, and uh, hope found in Jesus. But before I begin, let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the light it is to us. Spirit of God, come and prepare the ground that your word be scattered onto good soil this evening. May it take root in our lives. I pray against any thorns of worry or deceit that choke your word. Lord, may my words tonight be faithful and fruitful, deepening faith and growing a greater awe of you. Amen. Wonderful. So if you've got a Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 5. There's a few at the back as well. Thank you. That's awesome. And also, while we've got a minute, if you put a finger in Genesis 3 as well, we'll be going to there too. Great, so we'll start with Romans 5. Ah, oh, it's on the screen. Romans 5, chapter 5. Uh, yeah, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Now, if you go down to verse 17, we'll go from there. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So picture this, Saturday morning, 10.32am, I wake up from the most perfect night's sleep you can imagine. This gentle February breeze kind of comes through the window, it's absolute bliss. And then the door opens, and a steaming hot coffee in my favourite mug gets handed to me, and for a moment I genuinely thought I'm in heaven. And then... Out of nowhere, these two slices of toast, thick white bread, strawberry jam, get handed to me as well. I mean, can I get any better than that? Bliss. And then I make the fatal error, and I get up, out of bed, that's the first error, and then I walk over to the other side of the room, pick up my phone, and go onto the news. I don't know why. But anyway, if you go to the BBC website this evening, you will see across the top, cost of living crisis, war in Ukraine, coronavirus, climate crisis. And that's not even picking up all the stories below it of 
teenagers being murdered, or thousands dying in earthquakes, or mass deforestation. These are events on a global scale, but then we have relational breakdown, a pandemic of mental health issues, addictions, and despair. With all the technology, scientific discoveries, medicine, innovations, and the ability for humans to actually love one another, we still face a world corrupted by pain and brokenness. And then in 2016, the World Economic Forum published an article titled, The World Has Never Been a Better Place. And that may be statistically accurate, but there is absolutely no denying that the world is deeply, deeply broken that bliss just doesn't last forever. And the world is not just broken on a global scale, it's broken in communities here in Cambridge today, and not just outside of these walls, but in these walls, in our own hearts, in mine as well. There is something wrong with the world, something that technology or politics or medicine just can't solve. Come with me to the very start of the Bible, to the book of Genesis. Genesis 2. So far in Genesis, God has created and crafted the world by his word. Man and female have been created in the image of God and placed in this garden, Eden, which basically just means delight. And we know that it was very, very good. We see in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now you might see a little footnote if you go down to the bottom you see something really interesting which is that the word man Adam is related to that word ground which is Adamah. Interesting Hebrew fact for you. But that's, that's something which is a, it's a point that's being made in the text. That man came from the ground. There's a relation between them. And then next we see God breathes on them, his breath of life, and the man becomes a living being. This perfect union between God and man. But then we come to Genesis 3. And the serpent, this great deceiver, he deceives the humans and they decide to reject God and claim the knowledge of good and evil for themselves. The humans reject God, pursue a life governed by themselves. This is sin. Sin has entered into the world. And the consequences, as we can see, are shame and death. And then there's a curse. Look at Genesis 3, verse 19 with me, and you might recognize these famous words from the Ash Wednesday liturgy. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This being used in the Ash Wednesday liturgy is a stark reminder of our brokenness, our mortality, the brokenness of the world and the brokenness within ourselves. It's a reminder that there is ultimately an eternal union now between God and man. That God is a holy and perfect being and cannot be in contact with the sinfulness of man. Sin is a barrier between God and man. We still bear God's image, but we operate outside of this perfect union. We have chosen to reject God, and as a result, we, dust people, will not live forever. 
we will return to that dust. We will die in our sin. It's heavy. Let's turn back to our Romans passage and see how Paul picks up these themes. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. So Genesis 3 and Paul are telling us two things here. Through Adam, we inherit a corrupted, sinful nature. All sin. It's not a taught thing. It's inherited. If you're a parent, you know this. And actually, if you're, if you're not a parent, I'm not a parent. And I know this too, because children do not need to be taught how to do wrong. <laughs> they just know how to do it. So that's the first thing that we're being told, that there's an inherited, corrupted, sinful nature now. And secondly, all who have this sinful nature are caught up in its consequences, which is death, because we all die. It's inescapable. And an analogy I could try to think of to explain this, which kind of falls short in the end, but it's the best I could do, is kind of like a hereditary disease. Because the events of the fall and sin and death are kind of written into our DNA. A disease that we're all caught up in. There's no escaping sin, there's no escaping death, unless we escape our very being. Why am I dwelling on this? I thought, you know, the Christian message is meant to be one of hope, life, and redemption. Well, it's Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday is a time for us to remember, to look back. We are all from dust. We all carry the curse of sin and death in us. Ash Wednesday is a time to pause and acknowledge that. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. But actually, the liturgy for Ash Wednesday doesn't stop there, if you've been to Ash Wednesday before. Because the full liturgy is, remember that you are dust, and to dust you will return. Turn away from sin, and be faithful to Christ. Ash, or dust, is the symbol of our sinful nature, and it's placed right on our foreheads as a reminder of our brokenness and the brokenness of the world around us. And that sounds cruel, doesn't it? But this ash is not placed in any old fashion. What shape does this ash take? The cross. See, ash is a symbol of our insufficiency, but then the cross is a symbol of Christ's sufficiency. The ash is a symbol of our need, but the cross is a symbol of Christ's sacrifice to fulfill that need. The ash is a symbol of our sin and brokenness. The cross is a symbol of Christ's righteousness. You see, Paul's making a bit more sense. Let's go back to that passage, Romans chapter 5, verse 15 now. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Through Adam, the curse of sin is death. And then through Jesus, the, cur- the, the new and righteous Adam, the blessing of him, is his grace, which is eternal life. Death and life, Adam and Christ. The curse no longer reigns over us. Death no longer has a hold over us. Through Christ, we're brought back into that perfect and whole relationship. And the promise is that one day we will rise again in glory to be with God forever back in Eden, a new Eden. 
Ashwens is not a time for us to wallow in our sin, nor is it a time to forget about sin altogether. Because tonight we pause and reflect on where we've come from, the curse that was over us all. And then as the liturgy says, we turn and we set our eyes on the cross. We set our eyes to Jesus and all that he's given us. What is that? We'll look down. Chapter 5, verse 17. Abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness. We don't wallow in our sin or brokenness because we've been justified and made righteous. We've been given life through, verse 17, the one man, Jesus Christ. Ash Wednesday, as Michelle Mine puts it, invites a renewed awe of our great salvation. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. We remember where we've come from, and we look forward to where we are going in Easter and beyond to the second coming. But this moment, Ash Wednesday, we sit on a knife edge, not rushing forward to Easter without remembering and acknowledging where we've come from. Nor are we paralyzed in despair because there's hope in Christ. That's what Ash Wednesday is all about. Through Adam, sin enters the world. The consequences of that sin is shame and death. The corrupting of every heart, every family, every community. We cannot escape it ourselves with any level of technology, medicine, or innovation, as good as they are. Just as sin came through one man, so too righteousness comes through Jesus. A free and perfect gift offered to all with that corrupted heart. We remember where we've come from. We turn away from that sin, laying it down and not going back. Trusting the gift and promise of Jesus demonstrated at the cross. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Turn away from sin and be faithful to Christ. Amen.